Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be looking at things a priest shouldn't be saying to his parishioners. That's right. These things are red flags if you hear them coming from your priest. So we're going to talk about what they are, and if you do hear them, what you should do about them. Ooh, I've got one. This should be a good episode. I, I, uh, I wonder if we'll ever get into things that you've said as a pastor. Well, I, I probably have because I'm certainly imperfect. <laughs> but, you know, like I, I love the fact that we've done the things that you should never say to a priest. Right. And I've I've shared publicly at, at the parish, it's like things that you should say to a priest, you know. And uh, today it's like what priests shouldn't say to you as a parishioner. So this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, but also we're going to talk about some things that have really wounded people, too, along yeah. the way, and uh, how we can get in the way of, of Christ at times as priests. That's right. Now, before we get into it, I want to make sure that everyone watching this clicks like, share, and subscribe. It really helps us. And if you want to support the show, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, and you can get all kinds of cool uh, gifts in exchange for your support, and we really appreciate My it. My favorite hoodie. That's it. Now, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Bell, ding. Bells, bing, 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 yeah. bing. Bing. All right. Your priest should absolutely... Not tell you not to subscribe. That's, I think that's right, right? And that's something I should say. You should but this say, episode is about you, what I shouldn't you know, say. So the reason, the, the idea for this episode came from a comment that you you said you were ministering to an individual who was on their deathbed. And they were asking for, you know, the pardon, you know, before the journey. And they were really hurt. They're like, so, Father, does this cost anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah, God rest Joe Putz and uh, the beautiful soul that he he was. And and uh, amazing community leader. Um, and he was away from the church for a very long time because of an experience that he had in his youth with a loved one of his, where on the deathbed of his, I believe it was his uncle, you know, the priest was saying that you need to tithe if you want the sacrament, if you want the anointing of the sick. And, and the preparation rites and the commendation rites of, of those who are preparing for death. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and it's just like my heart is just so deeply, like, wounded by that. Like, yeah. And, and um, you know, granted, I'm mindful as an administrator and as a pastor for the financial welfare of our parish. All of our pastors are, and they should be, because there is a role in the Holy Spirit that's related to administration. But the administration of the sacraments clearly in canon law, uh, for, you know, prohibit completely you know, the sale of any type of a sacrament. And we're very strict in that in the church. So that for this to be happening was like a gross, gross, you know, practice and behavior from, from that particular priest. Yeah, I think that's the number one thing on this list is that no priest should ever tell you that it costs money for the sacraments. Mm -hmm. It just, that that is such an egregious misuse of the the role of the priesthood to charge for the sacraments. I mean, that is... That's the, simony. That, I mean, the, that goes to Simon Magus, like the first heretic of the church. That's like one of the, as far as I can remember, the first formal heretic in Christianity, his sin was charging for spiritual goods. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how fundamentally wrong that is. It reminds me of the scripture passage where Jesus says that, you know, that they're tying heavy burdens on those they should be serving, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like you're tying burdens on people to... 
to receive what is freely given yeah. by God. And when you when you look at what how are we getting in the way when that when that becomes you know the priority and our main focus as pastors is the financial welfare of the of the parish and certainly as it relates to sacraments, you know we're getting in the way of the crucified Christ who says, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." We're getting in the way of the open wounded heart of Christ that was wounded for our salvation and the establishment of the church and the sacraments that we celebrate that was freely given from the heart of Christ. Right. So you know mm. the fact that we can jump in the way of that and and kind of uh, stand as a block to that type of an encounter with Christ's love is is really uh, a terrible thing that can happen. Now, that's not to say that there isn't instances where it's appropriate in conjunction with a sacrament to make an offering mm-hmm. or a a donation, a stipend, a stipend, right? A, a gift, right? You know, and, and and that's where I want to kind of present to you guys because you you were married in the church, both of you, and how did you approach the sacrament of marriage? And what was your experience of going to the church? Did you where was your reception? Was the reception in the church hall? Like, how did you select the church, and what was that process like? Because for some people, you know, I still remember uh, preparing a couple um, in San Diego for marriage. And I, I jumped on Facebook one particular day, and the the bride kind of went on a long rant, long rant and kind of commented just in like a, a post, you know, this cost this, you know, the wedding planner, the dress, all of the, you know, the venue, all, and she's counting down all this stuff, and then, and at the very end, she says, and we're having a priest, and you know, you got to pay him. So then I just kind of jumped into the comment <laughs> section and I was just like, hey, you know, hey. I know you've got a lot going on right now. <laughs> you know, I just as the priest who's actually celebrating your your marriage, I just want to let you know, you don't have to pay anything because there's no cost for the sacrament. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it is traditional. Look, I mean, you do you give a gift, I think, out of, of gratitude. I, remember, I mean, we were broke. I was got married when I was 22. I think we gave Father Kevin 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that was a lot for us back then. Mm-hmm. But it was. Not expected. At the end of it, I think I gave it to my mom in a card to give to him because we were, you know, taken off in the in the limo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at baptism, it's the same thing. Um, I think a lot of times people will bring up annulments, saying, "Oh, the church will divorce you for free, no problem, as long as you give them some money, three hundred, four hundred dollars." That's not what the the fee is. That's for you know the administration. That's if you have to hire a canon lawyer. I mean, all these people deserve their just wages for their mm-hmm. expertise and for the things they do. And there's a staffing associated with church operations. There's a staffing associated with the tribunal offices right. that process annulments. So <coughs> there is a business component. So there there may be, you know, like a I non- would say a clerical or administrative component. Business has the connotation of making money. This mm-hmm. is about Really, I mean, breaking even and being able to provide mm-hmm. a service. It's a nonprofit. It, that's it. I think it's, we a, it's paid, a 501c3. Like, yeah. it's a nonprofit. That's right. right. Yeah, and I think we paid for the the use of the place that we had our reception. We had a, Sure. We, it was, you know, Jen's parents didn't have any money. I barely had money. We I think we spent $2,500 on our wedding, and we had macaroni and cheese and chicken tenders, and we had a DJ that looked like... Uh, uh, <laughs> Wedding play? No. <laughs> what's what's the guy's name? The comedian that passed away. He's really funny. Can't remember his name. Mitch Hedberg. No, he's, he's really funny. Chris Farley. I don't know. There's a lot of them, dude. Yeah. 
I think he like hung himself. But anyways, oh my goodness, Robin Williams. Gracious. Robin Williams. Yeah, he looked just like Robin. Well, Williams. Well, why did you say he was the funny guy who hung himself? I, I thought he. I, I didn't know. God rest. God yeah. rest his soul. I love yeah. Robin Williams. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, it, it was very. It was on the cheap. We, you know, we uh, we actually took our checks that we got back to our hotel room and we're looking at him to see if we're going to be able to go on a freaking honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, you're, you're doing a contact with a couple of good friends, man. <laughs> <laughs> All because Larry Lanny showed up to the Larry wedding. Larry Lanny Tippy Hirsch. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a couple chest hairs stuck in the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's a beautiful, a beautiful kind of uh, perspective that both of you are sharing. In respect to the gift and the gratitude, um, one for the priest who's doing it, but also, uh, more importantly, like the church that you're you're doing it. It's like there's an offering to the to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, we have to be careful about when we talk about. You know, do you have musicians? Do you have uh, an altar server that you want to give twenty five bucks to because they serve the mass? There's there's different things like that that people customarily give, but it's not to be confused that. This is like a transaction mm-hmm. taking place around the sacraments. Mm-hmm. If you don't give that gift, you still will get married. Mm-hmm. You'll still get to use the church. Mm-hmm. You will. It's just genteel to do so. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's an offering right. that you make to the church right. out of gratitude. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a line item on your <laughs> list of things that you're paying like this girl is ranting about. Yeah. Which yeah. I think part of that was probably bragging too. Like, look how much money I'm spending on my yeah. wedding. That's and kind I, of and like I got Father Pagano. He's one of them expensive priests. <laughs> <laughs> He's a young priest, and there's not I got to pay them. for his hair gel for a whole month. <laughs> <laughs> I do not use hair gel. <laughs> <laughs> he uses pomade. <laughs> Organic. <laughs> I think a second one that your, your priest should never say to you, it's kind of similar to the first, and it's about the denial of the sacraments. Um, there's valid times for a priest to deny you a sacrament. So, for example, uh, he might deny you absolution in the confessional if you're living in a state of sin and have no uh, desire or willingness to change it, right? So maybe you're living in a regular relationship. I know a priest denied me that when we weren't, my wife and I were not married in the church. He's like, I can't give you absolution. There's other times where maybe you can't receive communion because you are known to be outside of the church or whatever. But baptism of babies, I think, is one that a priest should never say no to a family. So mm-hmm. whether, like, let's say you're, you're living in an irregular relationship, you're not married, maybe the father's not around, maybe you're not baptized or you're not Catholic, but you want to, a, a person brings a baby to a priest to be baptized. I don't think a priest should ever say no to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I've, I've walked into parishes um, where pastors have outlined in their documentation um, that they need to be registered parishioners, tithing parishioners for a period of six months to a year before you baptize the child. And they just kind of create all of these different stipulations and, and um, you know, requirements in order for baptism to take place, which is also just like a, a really um, poor way to approach the sacrament of baptism and also interaction with families that are seeking to fulfill, possibly for them, to fulfill what has been passed down to them. They may not be well catechized. That's a different story. Like to go through a catechetical program in preparation, yeah. that's kind of important. Sure. Like, we should we should do that. But to have all of these other stipulations, including, you know, leveraging that tithe based on 
what? A sacrament. So again, it all kind of yeah. leverages in, in a way that that shouldn't be. Yeah, and I think it all goes back to what you said earlier, is that Christ's grace is undeserved and freely given mm-hmm. and, f- and earned for us. We did nothing to earn it. So for us to put up barriers or to put up costs associated with it is to literally to become anti-Christ. You're standing between Christ and the people that he came to save. So I, I really, I really, that always, always rubbed me the wrong way. Okay, oh, oh, you, I don't know, you got knocked up and you're living crazy life and now you got a kid. Number one, you decided to have the kid. Great. Mm-hmm. Number two, you want to have it baptized? Just do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, any any baptized Catholic can baptize the baby for free. So mm-hmm. if the priest isn't going to do it, that's just, I think that's absurd. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and, and that's certainly as we inventory what priests should not say, that's, you know, clearly, you know, uh, one that priests should not say. Delacrosse, in your, in your opinion, you know, you were in the seminary for a long time and, uh, you know, you've obviously been a cradle Catholic your whole life and, and, um, you've interacted with parishes and communities all over, uh, the country. Like what are things that in, in your opinion that a priest should never, never say? Um, I had a one experience in a confession one time <clears throat> where he's just like, you're bad. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and it went on, the bantering went on for like five or six minutes. And I'm like, I, I know I, I'm not, I'm not bad. I made bad choices. I regret them. I'm seeking the mercy of God. Oh no, you're bad. And I'm like, am I, do I have to walk out of this confession? Like this is, and the like, premise of this is like, I couldn't look at this guy. You were past you I couldn't even stand to look at him. Like I was just like, yeah, I let him have it in the confession. I'm like, are you going to give me absolution or not? Like, <laughs> Then I then you know you you flip that right and then you I went to a confession and the guy's just like, are you sorry for these sins? Yes. Then I will give you absolution. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Right. So it's like you know two different things. So mm-hmm. I don't know. This guy read poms and stuff during his homily. It was kind of weird. But the funny the funny hurt you, dude. The funny the funny the funny part of that sounds like you're still hurt. You yeah. need a hug. I do. <laughs> the funny part was I I brought a friend of mine who's been away from the church for like five six years to mm-hmm. to go back to confession to go back to mass. And I'm sitting there in line. I'm like, hey, listen, you know, if, if your confession takes a long time, don't worry about it. Like, you know, that's fine. Just take your time. Go through mm-hmm. it. And I said, mine's probably going to be quick. It's, you know, like I go a lot. So I was in there for like <laughs> 10 minutes, you know, yelling at this guy and like, <laughs> trying he's to like, twist his arm. Yelling and, you know. and, and then he goes in there and it's like he's out in like 30 seconds or something. <laughs> I'm like, wow. He says, I thought you were the one that was going to be. <laughs> that's, I love that story. So, yeah, it's, it's like do, those kind of encounters. Um, you know, another one. Uh, Once well, again, I just want to point out and emphasize, like, this is all around the sacraments. Like, uh, yeah. where, where wounds can happen, like, it's yeah. like sincerely, like, we can, yeah. priests can hurt people, you yeah. know, in, in relationship to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, recently, um, the Pope Francis, one of the big things about him is always giving absolution in the confessional. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and he's not saying, oh, you know, an unrepentant or unpenitent sinner, but he's saying, look, the people, the priests who are denying absolution um, are, are harming people, mm-hmm. right? They're becoming an unjust barrier between Christ's mercy, which is infinite and unbounded, mm-hmm. right? Now, obviously, it's a priest's job to correct, guide, and pastor. So look, if you're doing bad things, right? Okay, Ryan, you're, you're doing bad things. 
I'm bad. You are not bad. You I do bad, bad things. <laughs> <laughs> you are bad. You are good. You are good. You are bad. Who said you are bad? <laughs> you are you bad. Are bad. You, are bad. <laughs> you are bad. So it's not about that you're doing bad things, but the priest is supposed to guide you. Now, if he's if he's going to deny you absolution, like I've been denied absolution, it's not. it shouldn't be out of malice. It shouldn't be out of judgment. It should be out of pastoral guidance. Say, look, you're in an irregular situation. Here's how you fix it, right? Not just to be like, you're bad. Get out of here, yeah. right? That, and, and, and then, like the, and then the pastoral care aspect of it too is like, come to mass, right? Don't receive Eucharist, right? You know, work out. Let's create a pastoral plan so that you can work on a path where this is going to lead to marriage and you know, living living in a, in a proper relationship with church teaching. Um, there, there's always a path, you know, and and it has to be laid out in that form of truth and tenderness. Yeah, uh, Pope Francis called people, called priests who deny absolution delinquents who are evil, unjust, and full of moralistic judgment. Now, mm-hmm. a lot to unpack in that statement. That's another episode, yeah. but I think the sentiment's there. And in our meeting with uh, with Pope Francis a couple of years ago as a missionary of mercy, you know, he's, he's speaking to all of us, and he's like, I don't want you to be missionaries of mercy if you're not going to confession yourself. If you're not recognizing your own sinfulness and recognizing your wrongs before God and going to confession and being immersed in mercy, how are you going to extend mercy to the people that you're serving? And I think to Pope Francis's pastoral care, too, he's extending his faculties through the missionaries of mercy to forgive sins that were retained to his office in the tribunal in Rome, you know, for many, many years. So desecration of the Eucharist and other forms of, uh, you know, um, violating the sacramental seal, all these other aspects of what is proper to the Pope to forgive, he's extended mercy to all corners of the earth, to all nations, based on this this new missionary order of the missionaries of mercy. And that would be in line with mercy freely given. Right? Yeah. 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 Now, here's another one, and I, th- I think this is one that I think will probably be the one that most people, when they're watching this video, is probably the first one they were thinking. A priest should not tell you who to vote for. Mm. That's And that's... I think true, very particularly in America, but I think that's true in most instances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would you ever tell somebody, get up on there on a Sunday and say, here, you need to vote for mm-hmm. this and that candidate? Well, it, it happens all the time because, um, one, you get, it, you get it from all angles. So you get it from parishioners who email you saying, you need to endorse and preach about this. And it's all political partisan type of <clears throat> jargon. Um, and then you have politicians who represent, oh, we need separation of church and state, mm-hmm. but then they're also kind of lobbying the uh, the support of people within church because they're running on values that are related to the faith. Um, so it's like there's a lot of complexity to it. But you know, I had a situation here where I had a parishioner that was uh, running against another Catholic, and and um, and I don't even know if they're. I, I'm pretty sure they're probably in different uh, political sides, but. You know, the person, one of the people pulled up their car that are, that's not a parishioner and and had, you know, materials about his wife running for, for political office and parked on the property of the church. And I went up to him like, hey, man, like, <laughs> what you doing? There, what, are you, what are you doing? He's like, well, I know that, you know, so and so is your friend. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I have parishioners here. OK. <laughs> 
and I'm not Jesus representing the. <laughs> <laughs> I have parishioners here, and I am not promoting or endorsing him in any way. You don't see any signs here, do you? Yeah. Of my parishioner on my property. You know, I can't have your wife because then that looks like I'm endorsing, right? Yeah. He's like, and I just expressed to him, I'm like, this is private property. This is <laughs> you can't be parked here. So where can I park? I said, that's for you to figure out, buddy. Like, just not here. Just not here. You ain't got to go home. You just can't <laughs> stay here. <laughs> but but it's, it, it's true. Like, and I try to be very, 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 very cautious because there's things that um, rouse the spirit of aggression and anger and violence of, in people in the parish that I have to address with truth. And, and because everything is so politicized, it becomes a challenge of how to address it and not treat the pulpit as a partisan pulpit where I'm going to preach some side of this. I have to represent the kingdom of God mm -hmm. yeah. and, and God's <clears throat> righteousness in, in word. Jesus 2024. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's also encountered that. Jesus encountered that walking with the disciples. Yeah. Where they're just like, hey, you know, this is this kingdom that you speak of. Like he's gonna, he's gonna stop all this tyranny, yeah. all this, you know. And he's just, he explained to them several times in scripture. Yeah. I'm, mm -hmm. This is a, this is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. This is the kingdom of your hearts. Mm -hmm. Right. This is. A, he had to explain that several times. Yeah. So you're gonna be explaining that a lot more. And and the church, the church ought to inform conscience and speak to realities that mm -hmm. are based on values and moral mm -hmm. direction and all of that type of stuff. Um, the church must always protect and uphold and proclaim the dignity of life from conception to natural death. And even in the state of death, that there's a dignity to the human person made in the image and likeness of God. The church must do that. Yeah. And if, if you're going to be based, you're going to be basing your voting decision on these particular areas of focus of the parties, you know, the church has to represent the kingdom and the values and what the church proclaims. And, it, you know, and then you have to discern, you know, and, and I've said this to people too. It's like, how do you expect me to proclaim the Republican side or the Democratic side where in one single voice I could be pro-death penalty and pro-abortion at the same time? Yeah. Depending on where I where I represent, it's like no, I'm I'm not for death penalty and I'm not for abortion. Didn't the church put out a voting guide or something like that? So at some there, point? there's voting guides. Those are things. always based always. on the the morality of the church, Absolutely. not necessarily a candidate. Absolutely. Never a candidate, never even a party. Saying, look, right. here's the things to consider. So, yeah. like for example, there's the five non-negotiables. Right, mm -hmm. you can no Catholic should ever vote for somebody who supports abortion, euthanasia. Embryonic stem cells, human cloning, and same-sex marriage. So you don't vote if both you, both. Yeah, you should not. That those yeah. are non-negotiable. Now that's the kind of guidance the church gives. They don't say, "Well, this dude's for three out of those four. Don't vote for him." Or, "Hey, this dude doesn't do any of those. You should definitely vote for this candidate." Like that would be, I think, an inappropriate use of the pulpit, which mm -hmm. is ultimately. Not about Caesar's kingdom, but about God's kingdom. Yeah. You know, and and there are there are some brothers, and we know we know a couple of them that that came up through the ranks here in the diocese that um, they were older vocation, second vocations, as as we call it. Like you know, they were married, and then you know their wife passed away, and they pursued a vocation of the priesthood. And I'm thinking of one in particular where the, the whole focus for him becoming a priest was get to the pulpit and preach politics, and then almost immediately. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was he his faculty to preach was removed. Really? Yeah, like almost immediately. Because he wanted to use the priesthood as a cudgel, yes. you know, as a weapon. That's. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these things. That's the same thing. Is yeah. the desire to use the priesthood as a weapon for either personal or financial or selfish reasons. Yeah, I think you would go to school for eight years to do that. Mm -hmm. like well, four less. years for for the older vocation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's for still a lot of time to <laughs> be able to do that. Yeah, but people crave power, man. Ugh, I mean, that's and that's for a lot of people, I mean, spiritual power is a very, mm -hmm. very powerful thing. I mean, it mm -hmm. sways people fundamentally, and that's mm -hmm. why a lot of these things are such egregious breaches of trust because people are putting so much faith into someone's spiritual authority. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and and something you know, we should never assume or pursue ambitiously spiritual authority and power unless it's bestowed on you because the reality of it you know we need to humble ourselves before that authority because the the sensitive aspect of what we do as priests as you're describing is we should be ultimately cautious and the thing that that the, the thing that keeps me up at night in my heart as a as a pastor and, and what keeps me hitting my knees every day is is Jesus like, you know, I hope that I handled this situation, right? Like, I, I hope that I cared mm -hmm. for this person. Was I impatient with this person? Was I impatient with this? Like, uh, how I'm, I'm constantly assessing myself and asking the Lord for mercy because, you know, I'm human, just like any other pastor or priest is human. And we're describing things that a priest should not say. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a number of things that I have said. Yeah. That's why I really admire Bishop Baker. You know, Bishop Baker was a priest of our diocese, and then he was, he was a bishop here or there. He was in uh, Birmingham near EWTN. Uh, that's where he retired. But whenever he would leave a parish that he was associated with, he would always express, he would say, um, when he left Christ the King, um, I just want to take a moment and apologize to anyone and everyone that that I may have hurt along the way, and to know that my intention was not to do that, and I would ask for your forgiveness, and you know I'm grateful that God has brought me. It's something as simple as simple as that, but I I always found that to be just so beautiful that the Lord yeah. inspired him to to express that and. You know, I hope that when the day comes when when I I need to transition and move to my next assignment, like I'm going to be saying the same thing because I, you know, with the volume of work and the things you get pulled in different directions, like there there is that aspect of of saying things that a priest shouldn't. Yep. And that's the conscience of a father, yeah. right? Like, I mean, I I have the same assessment mentally mm -hmm. in my conscience about am I dealing with this the right way with my children? Yeah. Or am I saying this the right way? Am I spending enough time with my children? I, you know, mm -hmm. like that's a that's a grace to be given mm -hmm. and imparted on a father, yeah. on a father's heart. Yeah. yeah. Now here's something I know a priest should never say. Do not go out to kathatasha.com forward slash hollow and try hollow the number one prayer app. I don't think a priest should ever say that. No. Do you know why? Why? Because a priest should say, you should go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow and try out the number one Catholic prayer app. Okay, well, let me let me just do that. So okay. you should take a moment right now and go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow and try the number one Christian prayer app in the app store today. That's right. Hollow is a fantastic app. It is so full of features. There's so many things to help you in your prayer life. And look, in the modern world, technology usually is going to distract us from God. Mm -hmm. It's going to distract us from our, our uh, prayer life. But Hollow is an app that uses technology for good. It allows you to use the convenience that you love about your phone, having it always in your pocket. 
but then always being able to use it for something that, that directs you to a higher calling, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got things like um, prayer guides, so things to help you pray the rosary or the or the, the liturgy of the hours or the examines or prepare for confession. It has things like... Um, That's the thing that I love, though, the liturgy of the hours component of it. And it's like, you know, when you're on the run, I love my breviary. And and you guys saw me this yep. morning praying my praying my breviary. There's nothing like having the actual mm-hmm. breviary. But when you're on the run, and all of us are, like from morning until night, it's important to stop and pray. And this app has so many resources, even outside of the liturgy of the hours. So you could pray in solidarity with the Pope and all the religious, all the priests in in the world by praying the liturgy of the hours, or you could just pop into like little meditations. They have mm-hmm. short ones, longer ones. They have ones at night that yep. you could do to kind of wind you down and bring you some rest and calm and peace in your life. Sleep stories. Yeah. And the I music a, they have on there. I got a family account. And so Ava, Joe, myself, and Jim, we have a little family group. And so they, they'll come home from school. I'm like, Yo, you been praying today? Like, yeah. It don't look like you've been praying today. <laughs> Go open your room and get some you action. Oh, yeah, dude. Not according to Hollow, you have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is cool though, like yeah. to to talk about they're just holding each other accountable. Like yeah. they do the same thing. To yeah, me. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, they got all kinds of great things. Like uh, mm-hmm. they got music. They got sleep aids. They've got uh, meditation guides. They have just articles and challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, things to help you. Uh, uh, reorient yourself. They have things like a uh, Bible in a year mm-hmm. or Catechism in the year. They have Bishop Barron. They have Scott mm-hmm. Hahn. They have all kinds of great. Uh, you could do five minutes. You could do fifteen right. minutes. You could do thirty minutes. You can mm-hmm. do nine days. You could do thirty days. I mean, there's like literally something for everybody to get into. That's right. So again, you could try this app out for free. You get a, you can try out a free trial of the premium subscription. Go to catholictasha.com forward slash hollow to try that out. We really wholeheartedly recommend it. And this priest endorses it. And I, and it's so great to partner with Hallow. They've become just such good friends over the years. And we're so proud of the work that they're doing that they're continuing to do. And the work of prayer is absolutely important. And a priest will always tell you to pray. And that's, that's right. and that is our fun, you know, our foundation with our God. Now, here's another thing that a priest should not tell you to do. And I don't know if this one sounds familiar to you, but to find another church or find another religion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I said that in a moment of anger and frustration. I did not say that to the person. Did I say that to the person? No, no, you didn't. You were about to say, yes, you did. I did not say it to the person. I may have said it to you under a fit of frustration. So if if none of you out there have close personal (laughs) relationships with priests and you only see them, you know... um, 20 days a year. Yeah, you only you only see them on Sundays wearing their robes. Let me tell you, <laughs> priests are just like the rest of us, and they get irritated and they get frustrated too, right? And not every priest gets along with every parishioner, right? They just don't. I mean, I don't get along with a lot of people. Uh, like they're, they're people I just don't get along with. Just you don't clash with them, right? You don't match mm-hmm. with them. Same thing for a priest. That being said, fellow rich. <laughs> I feel should like you, I'm on the hot seat right now. Should you ever tell a priest to go find a different parish? No, 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 no. Because you'll have pre, you'll have you know what happened with that situation though. It was like it was it was really beautiful because and this is how Christ works. Like he brings you to your knees in humility, like he's doing right now. He humbles he humbles us to exalt us. And the exalted ministry of Jesus was so present when when this guy went through 
late, you know, just a few months later, a terrible bout with cancer, mm -hmm. you know, and, and was able to administer care for him in the name of the Lord and the Lord very powerfully cared for him. And it brought him back into, into the fold. Same way that this guy, you know, walked away from the church here and, and is very angry at the bishop and angry at the tribunal mm -hmm. and angry because of the annulment process and everyone, you know, like all this stuff. And I love this guy, you know, mm -hmm. like I genuinely care about this guy. And, um, and now he's, he's failing in health and guess what? Like the church is going to be there for him, yeah. you know, like I'm going to be there for him and pastor, even though he's walked away and, and that's what, that's what the church as shepherd in, in the, in the name of the good shepherd has to do. And, but we are human in the way that we interact with each other. And, and, uh, yeah, there's many fallible moments yeah. in the day. So, I mean, there'll be people I can only presume that come up to you and say, Father, you should have done this. Why didn't you say this? I like when this priest does that. The, my old priest, much better than you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think, I mean, th there's a judgmentalism that can come from yeah. the parishioners too. But how a priest should ha can handle that, I think, because, I mean, you you experienced that, I'm sure, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And it, and it happens with uh, every transition of a new pastorate. You know, I had that when I came mm -hmm. in for, from, you know, this wasn't the way that we did this, that or the other. And, 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 you know, I was reamed out by, yeah. by Kim, you know, like she came in and she was ready to destroy me. And you Kim? Know, yeah, but that was our first meeting. I didn't know that was her church. Yeah. And like, so, so <laughs> she just like, she came to, she came to like, take me out, you know what I mean? And like, I would be afraid of that. I'm telling you, I'm afraid of <laughs> But, you know, like God's grace, once again, yeah. like at the end of that meeting, she she committed a volunteer and, and help and and the Holy Spirit fills in gaps like you yeah. would not believe as a pastor. Yeah, like I you couldn't just, imagine that place without Kim. But yeah. if you would have handled that wrong, Kim wouldn't have been there. Right. You know, like so he gives you grace in, in very significant moments. And um and reconciling moments, but that, that happens, right? Like, and, and it's going to happen. Even if I sat down and I said, you know, Hey everybody, there's going to be a new pastor coming and it's been a joy being here with you, you know, be please nice. be nice. <laughs> like let him kind of lead, you know, it's, he's going to bring in a different charism. He's going to bring in his personality. He's going to bring in his own preaching style. Like, can you please be nice and courteous and just kind of be patient and let him lead? Could you People imagine having to follow, do the same darn thing? Could you, know? you imagine like, having to follow Father Mike Schmitz at a parish? Uh, <laughs> I would never survive. Right? Yeah. I mean, you got Schmitz for six years and then you come oh, in. You're like, you know what I would do though? I would just carry around this candle in procession <laughs> everywhere that I went. Lit. <laughs> He's like, still with us. He's still with us. It's one guy, Father Vinnie DeRosa. He he went to a parish and he he moved the celebrant's chair to kind of. <laughs> just a, like just, you know, a little, just a little bit, degree, yeah. and he said, "I thought they were gonna kill me yeah. outside <laughs> wow. the church." Oh yeah, like these people are like, "What are you moving the chair for?" He says, "I just moved it a little bit." You know, it was the same thing with the statues of Saint Joseph and the Blessed Mother. These beautiful statues that the previous administrator got for the parish—they're a hundred plus years old from Philly. Like cool. awesome, awesome statues, but they were in the corner, like, and they were kind of like it, it was like what. We need to move him closer to the altar, like yeah, move, you know, like, and, <laughs> and and I got it was like a letter writing campaign par excellence, and like people wanted to oust me, get me out of the parish, like I, it was it was crazy. 
It was yeah. a crazy experience. I got to imagine a lot of patience and humility is necessary to deal with that. It's, it's a lot of love for Jesus. Like, honestly, like, it's <laughs> a lot, of love, to it's it's a lot of love for Jesus, bro. Like, it's, so, it's, it's got to be, right? Yeah. Like, I, I remember, y'all, y'all have seen my cross where Jesus yeah. doesn't have arms or feet. And I had that in my bedroom at the time when I was transitioning into the pastorate here. And I, I remember one morning distinctly where I just felt like Jesus was saying, like, Richard, are you willing to suffer for my church? And I'm looking at the crucifix and I'm like, like, Lord, what am I supposed to say to that? Like you're dying on the cross. I'm not dying. Like I'm suffering, but I'm not dying. Like, all right, let's do it another day. Like, you know? <laughs> and then I'd watch Band of Brothers at night, and I'd wake up and I'd reverence the Jesus on the cross. Play some Metallica morning. in the morning. You know? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> despite all my rage, I am still. <laughs> That's Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I was there. I know. That's why. That's Just why saying. Because I'm not much of a Metallica guy. Yeah, me Shout right. out Robert Burner. Yeah. Metallica, it's like, how can you be that angry for that long? You guys are like 60. <laughs> like, get therapy, dude. It's not, you know. Like Dutch, yeah, they're probably like the most peaceful guys, yeah. like behind the scenes. Yeah, like, I see like pictures of James Hadfield, and he's walking around wearing like Dockers and stuff, and like shopping at Armani, wearing Howard shirt, <laughs> wearing Howard shirt. <laughs> you guys know Dan Burke? Yeah, oh yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I went to his house one time. We were like hanging out, and dude, he listens to like heavy, heavy metal, <laughs> man. I was like, what? And he's also the most spiritual guy I know, you know, outside of a priest. Calming. Yeah. yeah. yeah and he just dude. loves that. Listen to like Nordic, Nordic grind. <laughs> oh, just, I didn't even know these bands, grind. dude. Uh, uh, I, I think the the last one um, that we should mention, and this one's probably a little bit more serious, is that um, it's still always good to mention boundaries, right? There should be boundaries with you and your priest. Um, and I think we've learned that in such a painful way mm-hmm. with the, the sexual abuse scandal. Mm-hmm. So if, if a priest were to do something that's maybe crossing a boundary or whatever, what would you recommend that a parishioner, how should they handle that? What, what are the proper channels to either report or, or deal with something like yeah. that? I think first and foremost, you you talk to the priest. Like you talk to the priest particularly. Like that's the first thing. That's a scriptural thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if this is a concern and it's and it's being bred in the community, you bring two or three more people to speak to, to that priest. Mm-hmm. And then you go through the hierarchy, you know, just follow the scriptural guidance, the guidelines there, and then go to the proper authorities. And that's that's communicating it through the chancery to the bishop. Mm-hmm. And, and then the bishop will intervene pastorally in his role and try to bring reconciliation and peace and, and pastoral care. Um, you know, these, these things have happened in, in many instances, uh, in many priests lives, and it's not something to be foreign. So, you know, for, for those who are, you know, discerning the priesthood, the priesthood is tough, you know, but at the same time, you have a structure in the church that's pastoral too. Like I have a, I have a bishop, I've had several bishops really, but, uh, where Bishop Galeone intervened in situations in, in my life in a very pastoral way. Uh, Bishop Estevez as well, trying to reconcile and and help me understand like these are the steps that I need to take to to get better and and you know we have to remember scripture too that like every trial that that a priest comes to um, is meant for endurance of faith and then also so, so that we may be perfected in every in every respect. So in the way that I approach priesthood imperfectly as a newly ordained priest, 
um, and just kind of like trying to care for everybody and respond to everybody's wants and needs to where I'm, I am now where I'm just really trying to hone in on needs and I'm not really, um, entering into people's personal lives, uh, outside of what they're suffering. You know, that's the most important mm -hmm. thing that I'm driven to, um, you know, and, and then even within that, so it, it's, it's being reproved and perfected and pastorally cared for. And that's the, that's one of the bishops function as a father to all of his priests, all of his sons, you know, um, in respect to that. So, you know, the structures of communicating these things must first primarily start with your priest. And then if there is no reconciliation and, and improvement or recognition, you know, to be able to move up accordingly and for brothers to not feel isolated in the process. They have protections, too, of any type of accusation and, and canonical protections and canonical representation, as well as legal representation, because we are put in a situation where we are public people with very imperfect people. And some people have neuroses. They have all sorts of mental health issues. They have all sorts of uh, presented um wounds that that may turn very violent towards you mm -hmm. um and and then try to attack you and destroy you mm -hmm. um as a priest your reputation as a person so it, it could be it could be a very challenging landscape at times but again love for christ the faith of endurance like the endurance of faith is the thing that that christ would will elicit in your heart if that's the journey that he's calling you on mm -hmm. yeah i'm, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of those lessons have been really learned and incorporated in the church, particularly over the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, so, but but it has been in canon law though for a very long time because there they've humanity is humanity the essence yeah. of this not changing. Yeah. yeah. So you know. I mean, and and granted, like what's become so uh, in the limelight and the and the visual of of you know scandal. You know, yeah, most recently we've never had technology like this where it kind of creates a maximizing force of, um, you know, of these realities mm -hmm. in, in the church. So that, that's, that's a heavy one. Um, and look, these are things like, like there's a proper role for your priest in your life, right? And some of these things are things I think you should look out for, right? Like, look, you, they shouldn't be denying you sacraments. They shouldn't be pushing you away from the flock. I think in general, this episode is really about the the demeanor and the charisma of preach, which is to bring you into the fold and not to exclude you from the fold, whether it's through causing wounds, excluding you from the sacraments, or denying you grace that isn't mm -hmm. his to deny you. Mm -hmm. So, And also understanding that they're human beings and that, you know, the expectations that we have of them as priests should should be, you know, brought to the forefront of our perspective. 100%. You mm -hmm. know, you know how many people have wounds from their parents? Because they have all these expectations of what their parents should have done for them. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people view priests the same way. They have all these expectations of what a priest should be doing. Like, mm -hmm. hey, look, I'm hurting. You should know this. Or, hey, I wish you would say this because I need guidance on this. And you know, priests are just, they're people too. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that kind of, same um, dangerous level of expectation can be mm -hmm. expected of priests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgive you, Father Ralph, <laughs> and pray, pray for your, pray for your this. priests. Like pray for your priests. Yeah, you know, forgive your priests. You know, if 
if your priest is going to forgive you of your sins, like forgive your priest too. Like Good the point. only way that we can establish any form of reconciliation in the church as an instrument of peace in the world is through mercy. And that's, that's mercy in every respect. We should be a family of mercy. Yeah. A church of mercy. Yeah. And that's where the joy comes from. It, it, that's exactly it. You know, it's like, I know that the church will not give up on me. I know that the church will not give up on you. Like, and, and my hope is that it's beyond uh, Christ because Christ is being um, made present to all of the mystical members of his body. And the mystical members of his body need to be operative and active in, in reconcil- reconciling those members who have fallen away or separated themselves uh, for different perspectives that may not be reality, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, reality check is important. Yep. Check. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Hurt me three times, that means we're family. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, George W. <laughs> no, that was John Mayer. <laughs> um, that was John Mayer. <laughs> so stupid. Um, <laughs> so one thing that you should tell people to do, Father Rich, what are some things you should tell them to do? Well, I mean, if you haven't subscribed and clicked the bell so that you receive the content of the Catholic Talk Show every week or go to our website, catholictalkshow.com, and see all of our past episodes as well as our Patreon tier. Our Patreon tier includes a lot of the gear that you see on the table as well as our hoodies and so many, so much new content too. Like I love our new mugs. I love our new uh, hats too. And uh, we've got plenty of swag just to say thank you to those folks out there that support the show financially. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. So thank you. We have all sorts of tiers and it's all about affordability and just like little contributions. It's nothing major. But again, many it comes in the form of, you know, strength. And we are one body. And we are so appreciative that you like the show and you follow us every week here. And we look forward to connecting with you next week right here at the Catholic Talk Show. God bless you. And we'll see you later.